This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast where we talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. And what a good week to talk Raiders football. Of course, the Raiders coming off a 38-20 to win over the Houston Texans in the friendly confines of Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And to talk about it with you today, my partner, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist up on SportsNot.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. That's Mo with an E. And you can follow me at LV Gully. Mo, all right, buddy. Uh, we had a great time on the postgame show for once because it was a win. Uh, people were in a good mood. Uh, we did get some comments on Monday saying that we were not being positive enough. You just can't win sometimes. But nonetheless, um, this team does, did, excuse me, what we thought it had to do, and that was go out and prove that they can turn this thing around. They've taken a baby step towards that. They came out and they were flat in the first half. Second half, they pull it together. They get uh, the offense rolling. Josh Jacobs is an animal. He is on fire. But I want to get from you off the top, watching the game as you did after the fact, because you're covering the entire NFL on Sunday. Tell me what you saw. What did the Raiders do well? And what was the key in your mind, outside of Josh Jacobs, we know, uh, for this game to really uh, go the way it did late as it did? One thing I will say is that I want to shout out one person, and that's Cleveland Farrell. I think he had his best game of the season on Sunday. Now, I know everyone's going to talk about the half sack he had, and that's that's great. But if you just look at – rewatch the game, and you'll see Farrell, he has his nose in a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And I wrote an article. I wrote a column on Sports Not last week, and I said, I want to see more Cleveland Farrell, whether they're going to trade him or not. I want to see more Farrell because he could get a push on the inside. And you saw a lot of that. He was inside of Max Crosby when he got the half sack. On some snaps, he was inside of Chandler Jones. So I think, Carl, I think Farrell is starting to find his way in that defense – 
And I would like to see his role continue to increase. The other thing is, aside from Jacobs, is that the Raiders didn't make any stupid penalties late in the yes. game. That yes. belonged to the that belonged to the Texans. The Texans made a couple of bonehead leaves off false start and offsides that helped swing the momentum in the Raiders' direction. And they were able to capitalize on those mistakes. Yeah, and Mo, no turnovers, right? So so there were no turnovers in the game. And so you like to see a team that has struggled with not only the boneheaded plays, the pre-snap penalties, the costly penalties at costly times, but then they also protected the ball. There was no turnovers from the quarterback. There was no turnovers running the ball. Uh, and and that, that really keyed in. Now, I was concerned. I was concerned to start this game the first half. They just didn't look put together, especially on offense. They had the first drive, which obviously was nice, culminated in the Matt Collins touchdown. But then after that, they just could not get things going, and they seemed out of sync once again. Second half, different story. What did you see offensively? Obviously, Josh Jacobs is the common denominator here as he continues to run the ball, and we're going to talk all about Josh Jacobs in the second segment of today's show. But, Mo, looking at that offense and what they were able to do and the looks and the play calling you saw from Josh McDaniels, what was the difference between halves number one and half number two? Well, it was Josh Jacobs because once you get the run game going, you get the linebackers, the opposing team's linebackers to commit. You can run more play play action. And a lot of people say you don't need an effective run game to run uh, effective play action, but you need the threat of the run. And Josh Jacobs, obviously, I believe over 143 yards in three consecutive games, he is a threat to run the ball down your throat. So you can use play action with that. And I, what I was thinking about while we rewatching the game is it reminded me of Bill Musgrave's offense. Derek Carr, not necessarily a central figure in offense where he's thrown for 350 yards, but you get the run game going, you get play action involved. Derek Carr makes some plays, even makes some plays with his legs in this case, which is a little different from the Musgrave era, but made plays with his legs on Sunday. And all of that together, I think, got the Raiders' offense going in the second half. You have Jacobs running the ball well. You have Carr extending plays, off-platform plays, and making completions, guys catching the football, not dropping the football, not leaving the football on the rug. That matters. And when you have, again, when you have all of that together culminating, your offense starts clicking, and that's why you saw what you saw on Sunday. Right, and all this without one of their key weapons again, Darren Waller. So you have to credit this team for picking up the slack. And that's what you have to do. It's always always that next man up mentality we hear from NFL teams, and certainly the Raiders did that. Uh, and, Mo, the one thing I want to talk about, too, is is the offensive line. So we, we've talked about you and I are not fans of the eight-man rotating offensive line, but something starting to click between the Chiefs game. Yes, I know it was a loss, but that offensive line started to really pull together. Then you saw this game where they faced a pretty good uh, defensive front and overall defense with the Houston Texans. They struggled to start the game off. Uh, There's a lot of pressure brought. Malik Collins, of course, former uh, Raider in the middle there. They were starting to do that, and then they came out in the second half. We saw adjustments on that line. We saw uh, even Lester Cotton get some time in there. Mo, it sounds and looks to me like this line with that rotation – as crazy as I still think it sounds, is starting to gel more and more and not always the same guys, but but there's certainly some common denominators there. I will say this, that Raiders offensive line, I don't want to say overachieving because maybe it's just a product of the coaching staff coaching those guys up. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's starting to come together. It's not starting to, it has come together has to, yeah. as a run blocking unit because Josh Jacobs even said, and I mentioned it last week, that 
the line is blocking pretty well for him. Now they still give up sacks here and there. I believe Colt Miller gave up a sack. Alex Barris, who I hate to beat a dead horse with, gave up three pressures. <laughs> but um, as far as run blocking is concerned, this line is playing very well. And that unit has gelled together in that in that sense. What I will make a note of is also in the sports not sports not article that I put out last week, I said. I think Thayer, you're going to see Thayer Mumford play most of the snaps at right yep. tackle. Now, I said he would, he would start and finish at the position, but after the first quarter, you didn't see Jermaine Illuminar. After after the first quarter, Thayer Mumford finished that game at right tackle. So I think that's telling you, that's indicating that he's going to be the guy from start to finish eventually. Yeah, and Illum- I, I agree with that 100%. Illuminar did get banged up too early in the game. Yep. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But certainly Mumford has gone in there and played exceptionally well. Uh, You talked about Alex Bars. I jokingly sent you, I think, the link to the press conference last week when Josh McDaniels praised Alex Bars and said, hey, Mo, what's going on here? Are are you wrong? What's the deal? Uh, But nonetheless, you look again, Dylan Parham still continues to play great on the left side next to Colton Miller. That side of the line seems to be uh, a force, you know, with a young guy in there. And then, uh, of course, in the middle with uh, Andre Miller in, in, in the middle at the center position continues to perform as well. And, and I do agree, Mo, you said maybe overachieving or reaching. I think they are overachieving for where they are at, especially with some young players and some journeymen that are in there. There are more rotational guys, but that's OK. You need them to do that and to peak now as they head into the, the second uh, uh, third of the season here. Uh, with the schedule. And so so that has to be great. The run blocking, absolutely. Uh, and that brings up, of course, everybody's favorite conversation, Derek Carr. Derek Carr had a good game, okay? He had a great game from the perspective of he continued to do it. We talked about it on the post-game show Sunday, Mo, that Derek Carr has much been much more of a game manager. That's not a slight. That's not a negative when you're running the ball like Josh Jacobs is running the ball, you don't have to sling it for 500 yards and five touchdowns. Derek Carr seems to now be settling into that. Uh, the last two games, I thought he's looked much better in that role. He hits the receiver down the field when he needs to, uh, but he's also, I think, leading that unit and clearly having an impact on the offensive line. Yeah, when you say game manager, game manager has a negative connotation to it. It means that the quarterback isn't all that important. Uh, I think that Derek Carr made the plays that he needed to make for that Raiders offense to move the ball, especially in the second half. As you said, it was sluggish in the first half. Texans weren't allowing anything over the top. They 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 wanted to make sure they weren't going to give up the big play. And Derek Carr said, okay, I'm going to pick on the middle of the field. And he did that. There was one play I really liked where he stepped up into the pocket, threw it to Foster Moreau right down the shoot, right down the middle as the linebacker came up. That's what you see when you see recognition. A lot of people aren't going to pay attention to that play. But that's what you call a high IQ smart quarterback. He realizes the coverage. He realizes the linebacker coming up, comes up and makes the play with his legs, with his arm. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from Derek Carr. I believe he was 21 of 27, 241 yards, not explosive, big, gaudy numbers. But if you watch the game, you see he moved the chains when he had to. We continue to see the emergence of Mac Hollins as a wide receiver and as a weapon in this offense. Of course, the big touchdown to start out. I know early on, you know, we knew that, he'd be a force in the special teams unit. And we saw him in the preseason really start to earn a spot. And I think you and I said, you know, Hey, by three, four, five games in, you'll have a better sense for who that third wide receiver is. Mac Hollins is locked that up. Doesn't mean the Raiders don't use other guys. We saw DJ Turner have quite a bit of action 
yesterday, Sunday in the game as well. Uh, but talk about Matt Collins. Why has he been able to emerge? Is this a little bit of the McDaniel system versus what he was playing in in Miami? It's a little bit of, I don't want to say the system, but him just being ready when his number is called and when Derek Carr targets him. I think Matt Collins is doing what we thought Darren Waller would do. I saw mm. that cat, that first touchdown that Matt Collins, that the Raiders had with Matt Collins. That's usually where Darren Waller would be, right? Right True. down the scene, right down the middle, catching that touchdown pass. Obviously, Darren Waller not playing. Matt Collins filled that role. So I think with Darren Waller being out, Matt Collins has kind of filled that pass catching void that the Raiders need as that third or or maybe second receiver behind uh, Devontae Adams. So kudos to, to Matt Collins for stepping up and not just being that quote-unquote third receiver, but just being a compliment to Adams and Renfro. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and and he just continues to do what's asked of him. And and that's what you have. I think I think no one was really concerned even – yeah, you don't like to have Darren Waller on the sideline, but at the same time you do have some depth on that offensive side of the ball. Nobody's been worried overall about the talent level, I think, on the offense sands the offensive line. And so to see him emerge that way. We also saw Hunter Renfro get reacclimated and activated yesterday with some big catches. Uh, I always joke, Hunter can't stay on his feet. He's got to catch the ball, fall into the ground. But it works for him. Uh, he even did it one way where he was able to get back up and run for several more yards. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think, after that head injury, I think people forget that with concussions, you know, it, it, it's really something that you can't always tell. You're off a little bit. But I definitely saw last uh, game against the Chiefs that Hunter Renfro really wasn't himself. Uh, but this game, he seems to emerge. Of course, he held on to the ball, so he had no problems with the turnovers uh, on Sunday. But that's a good sign, too, that you see Hunter Renfro warming up with Derek Carr now. Yeah, he's also dealing with a hip injury, so that's another thing added on to the concussion. And as you say, it was just good to see him get get some catches get himself warm in that offense because they're going to really need him, especially if Darren Weller is not healthy for the remainder of the season. He's in and out of the lineup. There was one catch that Renfro made that I was just in awe of. He kind of slid on his knees, caught yeah. the ball. And I think the linebacker, Christian Kersey, kind of backed off because he either thought Renfro was down or that he dropped the ball and kind of backed off. And Hunter Renfro gets up and gets more yards. Just exactly what you want to see from him. And it's glad to see him back in the fold. Yeah, he got up and got, I think, six and a half or seven more yards. So yep. huge, huge play. And that's why he's such a Awareness. smart guy. Awareness all over the field. Mo, a couple things, too. You know, for all of the negatives we've talked about and, and the way the fans have felt starting off one and four, and certainly that's disappointing. Uh, but the sense was you and I, in uh, during all three shows last week, we talked about hey, they're in a spot now where they can turn it around pretty quickly. Things seem to be going in a positive direction, sans the injury and some of the defensive challenges that they have we'll talk about later. Uh, but you look at the Raiders here. I'm going to read this off to you. One of two teams in the AFC West with a positive point differential. I, don't, you know, I, I didn't realize that, and I started looking through. So, so them and the Chiefs are the only two, and that makes sense if you look at what's happening with the Chargers and the Broncos. The four losses, of course, the Raiders combined 14 points. Of course, they had the big lead on Kansas City before surrendering it. So when you look at this team, you know, a lot of folks, remember, they wanted to fire everybody. They wanted to get rid of Carr. They wanted to get rid of Waller. They wanted to get rid of any, you know, the guy who, who brings out the Gatorade. They wanted to get rid of everybody. And we said last week, right, like, hey, they could turn this thing around. Yes, the percentage points of making the playoffs, the odds – are tough, but you got to start with a baby step. And I said it today on Twitter earlier that, hey, 
every run starts with a couple steps, right? So you're going to start to run a race. You got to take your first two steps. The Raiders took a step here. I had somebody tell me, you're making it sound like they won a playoff game. When you're one and four, to get things positive and to play a complete football game is a huge step for this team. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a little confused. You started the show saying we were too negative on, month, on last I Monday. Know. I'm like, what, what do you expect after a loss? And, and I, I've said a million times on this show that I think the Raiders have enough to turn it around. I don't know if that whoever said that hasn't been <clears> listening to me, apparently. But to your point, uh, the, the positive point differential. Raiders have, we all know, the Raiders have lost close games and then they pull away from the Houston Texans. We, I think we were both on point with our prediction. Now, you predicted, I believe, 31-20. And I 31-20. Predicted, and I said 30-21. So we were about right before yeah. Deron Harmon got that pick six and blew the game <laughs> wide open. So That's it. We kind of we knew what to expect. I, both teams coming off of a bye. They're going to be prepared for each other. So right. it was a competitive game early. A lot of people were pinging me on Twitter saying, oh, see, the Raiders playing down the competition. And I wanted to reply. <laughs> if I wasn't busy, I wanted to reply and say, look, both these teams are coming off of a bye. They had an extra week to prepare for each other. So you got to expect some competitiveness early. The Raiders missing one of their top weapons. I'm not making excuses, but you got to expect that it was comp- competitive early. But I also said on the show last week that the Raiders have to win decisively, and they did that. Now, to your other yeah. point, and I, I said this on Twitter, that I don't want to hear that, oh, the Raiders just beat the Texans. It doesn't really mean much. You got football players will tell you this all the time. Coaches will tell you this. It's hard to win in the NFL. I don't. I know I don't play in the NFL, but I've played sports. And if you're, if you're playing against equal talent, this isn't college with Alabama against UT Tennessee or UT Martin. <laughs> this, this isn't, you know, this is the NFL where, for the most part, the talent, you're all on the same level. You're peers. No doubt. And let me ask you, and let me tell you this too, Mo. Uh, there's a guy named Thomas Brady. He plays for the Buccaneers. They lost to the dismantled Panthers, Carolina Hello. Panthers. Right. So it proves your point 100 percent, which is it doesn't matter when you line up on a Sunday. There's a reason why the term any given Sunday exists, because these are all pros. And even though a team is bad, it's full of professionals who are prideful men who want to win a ball game. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, anybody who says it's just the Texans doesn't matter. You weren't saying that when when they beat teams that were bad before when things were going rolling along, you loved it, right? So so it's the same thing. But I mean, I look at this team and I like the trajectory it's on. Of course, they got to string them together. That's the, yeah. that's the key. All right, we're up against our first break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs. We're going to talk about what he's been able to do since uh, Coach McDaniels listened to Mo and I and started running him more, um, and uh, what that means for him, the Raiders this season, and his future. A lot of people out there think you should pay the man today. We'll talk about if that's the case. You're listening to Silver and Black today at Odyssey Original Podcast. Mo Moat and Scalkle Branson will be right back with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition, rolls on on our Odyssey original podcast, Talking Las Vegas Raiders football. I am Scott Branson, joined by my partner, Mo Moten. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. On Twitter, engage with us. Tell us if we're too negative, too positive, because we'll get about 50-50 and maybe 10. Well, maybe we'll get 40, 60 and 10 percent. We'll sway back and forth depending on the week, but we appreciate it. We appreciate the discussion. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, please. That would help us significantly. Wherever you get your podcast, just hit subscribe. Put your phone on auto download. That way, all of the shows, when they come out, will come right to your phone. Okay, Mo, let's talk about the man of the hour, the beast. And that, of course, is Mr. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, uh, on Sunday, 20 carries, not 30, not 40, 20 carries, 164 yards after 144 last week or two, a week, two weeks ago against the Chiefs. Um, Mo, this kid is just running the ball better than he ever has. He's healthy. He's in shape. He's motivated. Yes, he's motivated by contract. Yes, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. His offensive line is blocking well for him. But more than that, and you tweeted something yesterday, and I forgot the specifics of it, but you basically said, man, this running back room and running back by committee is one guy, and that's Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Derek Carr is second on the Raiders in rush attempts with 14. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. That's all you about need to the know. the Raiders, uh, you know, carry distribution. I believe Josh Jacobs has 111 carries on the season. Uh, each of the last few games, he's had 20 plus rush attempts. So, as soon as the Raiders have turned the ball over to Josh Jacobs, you see uh, you see improvements across the offensive line, across the offense. But one note I want to make of the last game where he really helps is the red zone. The Raiders were three for three oh, in the yeah. red zone on Sunday. So I said this plenty of times. I said it on Twitter. I said it on the show. When you have an effective run game, typically you're good in the red zone. Just take a look at the stats. If you don't believe me, pull up Pro Football Focus. Pull up, Who doesn't pull up believe pro you? Football Reference. Who doesn't look believe the, you? <laughs> look at the stats. Teams that are good in the red zone usually have a good run game or they have an elite level quarterback. Like Yes. Yes. You have one or the other if you're really good in the red zone. And I remember I pointed out on the show recently that the Lions are really good in the red zone. They had DeAndre Swift healthy. Now, guess what? The Lions have scored six points in the last two games. And you know what? DeAndre Swift hasn't played in either of those games. It's not a coincidence, people. Once you run the ball well, you're good in close quarters when there's not a lot of space inside the red zone. No question. And and Josh Jacobs, you know, again, he's he he's breaking records, franchise records. Marcus Allen was in attendance yesterday at the game. Um, mm-hmm. The way he's running right now is, is the best of any Raiders running back through the number of games. That's with the record he broke with Marcus Allen. I forget the 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 uh, the exact number, uh, but we'll we'll give it to you later in the show. Uh, but but he is determined. Uh, when you look at what he's been able to do. And what his history has been with injury, he obviously has stayed healthy. He looks fresh. He's getting, I think, runs, too, as well. They're not always hard. He breaks open 
and is able to get downfield pretty much untouched quite a bit, actually. Uh, so there are some tough yards, of course. Every NFL running back has to do it. But what do you see from his running and what he's been able to do through that offensive line? Why is he into that next level? Why is that higher gear there that wasn't there perhaps before? Well, he's always had the burst. Uh, sometimes sometimes with running backs, you don't follow your blocks, as they would say. And yep. I think he's doing a good job with his vision of following his blocks. On a number of times, he was able to get behind Colton Miller, who got into the second level of the Texans' defense, sealed the edge and getting Jacobs free on the open. So if you're wondering why Jacobs had room to run on the edges, it's because you got an athletic t- <laughs> tackle and Colton Miller clearing the way for you. So credit to Colton Miller and that offensive line again. But a combination of your offensive line blocking well and you using your blocks and that burst that Jacobs has, these explosive runs in a big run game. No question. I mean, and you just think about some of these these records and numbers he's putting up. He joined Marcus Allen, of course, the great uh, Raider Pete Banaszak is the only two Raiders uh, with multiple games of three rushing touchdowns uh, in their respective career. So just to put that into perspective and how much he's doing, um, if Josh Jacobs isn't there, uh, what happens to this? I don't see this offense putting up 38, well, 31 points. Uh, let's take out the Har- the Harmon uh, touchdown, the pick six. But if you look at the 31 points they scored yesterday, um, without that running game. But again, Bo, we, we've talked about um, all of this when we talked about McDaniel's offensive system and how it uses the running backs. Uh, and we saw it in New England for all those years. Is it any different? Are you seeing anything different than what we expected other than the fact that Josh Jacobs is just a man on fire. Now, I would say most of us thought that we were going to see a running back by committee. Even yep, reporters that attended Raiders camp said, okay, we expect to see a running back by committee. Mm-hmm. The Raiders signed Brandon Bolden. They signed Amir Abdullah. They drafted Samir White. So you're expecting all those guys to get touches and to cut into Jacobs' workload. But as we have saying on the show, he's hot right now. So you don't <laughs> want to take that guy off the field. Now, we did see a little more Amir Abdullah, which I pointed out in the column last week that we should see more of him. He did have have a couple of catches, which is more than he had, he had one catch coming to the game. But with the way Josh Jacobs is running the ball right now, you just do not take him off the field because he's hot. But what I will say is all the people screaming, pay him now. Whoa there, Cowboy. Remember, Josh Jacobs Thank does you. have it. He has an injury history, so you want to you wanna let him play out the season and then negotiate later because the Raiders also may need to add players for that secondary you know, so you you want to have financials for that. So I would say let him play out the season, but he is playing the best he's ever played right now in a Raiders uniform. And let me say this because I was that was my first inclination. I talked about it a little bit on the post game show, and I think where that's where some people were lev- leveling that I was being too negative. It's not being negative. It's the business. It's the reality. And it's the same people who said, give Darren Waller the keys to the bank. And now, again, I'm not picking on Darren Waller. He's injured, okay? So every player gets injured. We'll see if he's able to come back. But if Darren Waller plays in five games this year, let's say, or six games or half the season, was it worth the money? No, you have to wait and see. You wanted to wait with Waller. I want to wait with Jacobs. I get he's playing well. And God bless the man. I hope he runs for 3,000 yards because that would be great for the Raiders, number one. And number two, great for him. He can deserve his payday. But even if he has a great year and he stays healthy, this presents a very interesting quandary for Dave Ziegler, Mo, because, yes, you went out, you drafted two running backs because you knew Josh Jacobs was at the end of the fifth of the fourth year and you weren't going to pick up the option, right? So you had to figure it out. You know your offense depends 
on a running back situation. We saw Josh Jacobs do well. That opened up Devontae Adams yesterday. It opened up uh, Foster Moreau. It opened up all the receivers. You know how they work symbiotically together in that offense. But you also have to think about you still need a lot of help on defense. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But you have a lot of needs you still need to do. So even if Josh Jacobs has a great year, the Raiders – might be in a tough position, but they might be in the position to say, hey, man, go get as much money as you can. Thank you for your service and goodbye. It's all about business. And I think some fans understand this. I don't want to say all fans you know, don't understand this, but some fans understand this. It's all about business and timing. You, you, you're not, if you look around the NFL, teams aren't clamoring to pay running backs top dollar. Now, some of them will. Some of their homegrown talents, Dalvin Cook recently got the bag, I, you know, so what I'm saying is you're patient with the running back position because you know about the turnover that the players mm-hmm. have is the most mm-hmm. physical offensive position on the field. So those guys can come and go, they get hurt. Then what? So the Raiders are going to wait until the offseason, gauge the market, see what is see what he's worth and then decide whether they're going to pay him or let him walk. Now, I believe there are other running backs that will also hit the market. So it could dilute uh, Jacobs, uh, what he can make his earning potential because if there are other options out there or comparable options out there, he won't be able to pull in the bag as many think he will be able to pull in. So I would say be patient. Let's enjoy the ride right now, the way he's playing, and hope that he stays healthy because that has been an issue in previous years. Let's just hope yeah. that he stays healthy and finishes the season because, as you said, if he goes out, this offense is going to look totally different because Amir White, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, they just haven't got enough touches to do what Jacobs is doing right now. And that's the point, right? Which is, and, and also the, the way the NFL has changed. And I get fans excited about the play, and they should be excited about the way he plays. And again, I hope he goes this way the entire season and plays all 17 games and, and gets 2,800 yards, whatever it is. But at the same time, you talk about teams that have given running backs big deals. You look at what the, the Rams did with Akers, right? That hasn't worked out really well. We see what's going on there. Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, uh, Saquon Barkley in New York, and how that team has gone since that period in time. It's not that those guys don't deserve what they can get. That's the business side of it. Uh, But if you're a GM and you're trying to build a consistent winner and you still have positions to address and you still have needs, then you need to think about that. But we think really quick. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Sure. Jake, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley are very much similar. I believe they're both top three in, in, in rushing right now. Mm-hmm. Just like Josh Jacobs, but Saquon Barkley to a, a way higher degree has dealt with injuries that have kept, kept him out of multiple, several games. Jacobs gets nicked up, doesn't miss too much time. But mm-hmm. with the Giants, and I, and I watch a lot of Giants games, I don't think they're clamoring to play, to pay Saquon Barkley right now either, even though he's at the top of his game. It's right. let's wait and see. Let's let him finish the season healthy, and then we'll negotiate after. It's all business. Yeah, and and this season, depending what how it ends up for the Raiders, um, you know th- they're going to have to make other decisions too. Um, mm-hmm. No matter what happens, you still you still have to. No matter what people think, make a decision with their car because they have an out. And so how things go may determine that uh, Derek Carr's playing well now, so they don't really have to worry about it. But you're going to get to the position where it's like, hey, yeah, I'd love to buy everything on the shelf, but I can only take three of the five. And then you decide which three is more important to you in the future. So I think that's going to be uh, part of the situation there. Before we move on, Mo, Josh Jacobs, 
Uh, you talked about some of the nicked up the injuries that he's had to deal with. We've seen no indication of him even getting banged up, maybe once or twice, which is going to happen in the course of a game a few yeah. games ago. Uh, but what what else do, does he need to do in order to stay? Do the Raiders need to start thinking about getting more touches? I mean, it's hard. The guy's just dominating, so you don't want to go away from that. But at the same time, you need Zamir White. You need Abdullah to have more touches to spell him as the season goes on because as the cumulative effect of being a running back at the NFL starts to gain on you, you got to give a veteran, even though he's young, you got to give him some time and give some snaps to other guys to absorb that. When does that start to occur? Do we get to about midseason, that Thanksgiving time frame you're talking about uh, before you start doing that? I think so. In the coming weeks, you'll see more Zamir White. But I think it also matters about the game flow. If it's a competitive game, mm. you're not pulling out Josh Jacobs for Zamir no. White. So the Raiders have been in competitive games all this time, so there's no reason to pull Josh Jacobs off the field unless in his workload. Now, if they get into a few games over the next few weeks where they have a comfortable lead, then it's just, okay, we want to milk the clock a bit, they put in Zamir White, you know? Uh, but other than that, if it's competitive... You don't mess with the winning formula. Keep Josh Jacobs on the field. As long as he gets at least 20 carries, I think the Raiders would be fine. Yeah, no question. But, man, what a run by Josh Jacobs. Single-handedly has taken and helped this offense put it into high gear. Everybody's starting to get into sync now, which is a great sign for Raider Nation and for this Raiders team. All right, we're up against our second break. When Mo and I come back, we're going to talk about some of the needs still to address on this team, uh, primarily uh -oh. on defense. I know, I know. Yeah, see. Uh, but we're going to move on from what we saw in the game and talk about some of the issues that they had. Mo talked about one of the great surprises, which was Clee Farrell uh, in this game. And over the last couple of weeks, he seems to be just gaining steam. But what else are we seeing that may be of concern? We'll talk about that. What else are we seeing that is also encouraging along that defense? You're with Mo. You're with Scott. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast talking Raiders football. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these words. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Home stretch, silver and black today on the Tuesday edition. Thanks for being back with us. I am Scott Colbranson. My partner in crime here is Mr. Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. If you don't read him, we will find you and we will make you read him. We will hold your eyelids open and read the quality work that he is doing. You can also catch his Raiders work up on sports.com. Follow us all on Twitter. Mo's at Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully. You can follow the show at SNB Today. Also, do us a favor. Make sure, if you already don't, that you subscribe to the show wherever 
you get your podcast. Mo, we talked about all the great stuff uh, and Josh Jacobs, this offense, this Raiders team, how they came out against this Texans team after kind of a sluggish first half to really turn it on in the second half. Now, the Raiders defense, let's start with a really positive point here. And I made the joke because I'm a big fan of the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, what I'm sure you've never seen. Uh, nope. Since you never see any movies, I see. Uh, but anyway, there's a great scene in that movie, and you've seen it around because I talk about it all the time, where the sales leader comes in and he says, listen, the guy goes to get coffee and he tells him to put the coffee down because he says only closers get coffee. So you have to close a deal before you get coffee. Well, Deron Harmon woke up today and he had a whole pot of coffee because in the game late, he gets the pick six um, which really was nice to see. First time in three years the Raiders have had that, and uh, it was a nice touch at the end of the game for the defense to put it away, to close it out. Absolutely, and I tweeted this during the game that Daron Harmon has been the Raiders' best safety this year. Now people say, oh, the bar's not that high, Mo. Well, guess what? <laughs> a lot of people expected Trayvon Merrick to be that guy. We expected yeah. Trayvon Merrick to take a, a big second year leap hasn't really done that yet maybe a, a switch between the system has him having a slow sluggish start but Duran Harmon has been that playmaker what is refreshing to see as someone who's covered the Raiders that the defensive touchdowns are starting to pour in remember our guy Meek Robinson had a had a fumble recovery for a touchdown now Duran Harmon getting the pick six so uh it's good to see the defense making big plays but I will say not to get on the negative side for the people out there who say we're too negative, but <laughs> that's kind of what the Raiders are going to have to do because they're giving up too many yards on the back end in no the middle question. of the field. So they have to really rely on forcing turnovers and getting takeaways to get that defense off the field. By the way, when we say that people call us negative, it's because we're this, there's this word I know nobody uses. It's it's sort of like a, a butter churn. Nobody uses it anymore. It's called objective. And so when <laughs> we sometimes are objective, people think it's negative. And I get it. Hey, Raider Nation's having a great week right now because coming yeah. off that win, as they should, enjoy it. It's awesome, and you should, especially for Raider Nation, who deserves so much uh, more. Uh, but we talk about that defense, Graham's defense, just giving up massive chunks of yards on the back end. You talked about Trayvon Merrick um, has not looked good the last three games, just and 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 terrible in in, in coverage there. And so Deron Harmon at safety is a godsend. Uh, then you look at the cornerback position. Rocky Sin struggled again, as did Anthony Averett. We talked about Averett with you, Mo, because you're the president of his fan club, and. Um, <laughs> He went out yesterday, and at times I thought he looked lost in coverage. Uh, some people disagree with me, but I, I just thought that he maybe is just rusty. So I'm willing to give him a pass because you come off an injury, it's tough to get acclimated again up to game speed, especially in a big game like they had at home like that. So I'm going to give him a pass on the week. But certainly Jonathan Abrams continues, continues to struggle where he is. Um, at the line when he rushes, yeah, he can create some disruption there. But overall, with Nate Hobbs out uh, of this lineup, um, there's a lot of problems there that need to be addressed through better play and probably player acquisition after they get out of the season. Yeah, I may not be as harsh as you on the secondary. I understand Davis Mills threw for 302 yards, but watching the game over, a lot of, I mean, if you look at it, Davis Mills threw a lot in the middle of the field. There's a lot of paper cuts. The, that's true. That's no, that's fair. Two, that's fair. Now they had some big plays. There was one big play to Brandon Cooks where Anthony Avett was trailing him. I believe Brandon Cooks was over on a crosser 
Anthony Avery gave up that big play. And there was a dart that Davis Mills threw downfield in between Anthony Avery and Trayvon Merrick to Philip Dorsett. Uh, for, he, I believe he scored a touchdown on that. So, yeah, they gave up a few big plays. But for the most part, Davis Mills wasn't Patrick Mahomes out there. No, Again, he wasn't it was a picking lot of, apart. It was a lot of thinking. It was a lot of thinking dunk. They were targeting the tight ends and they were targeting the middle of the field because early the Raiders were in their base defense with Blake Martinez in. So we have three linebackers in there. So they knew, okay, the Raiders are going to try to defend the run because we have this sensational rookie in Damian Pierce. Let's throw the ball in the middle of the field to get them off balance. So I understand where the Texans got a lot of their yardage from. So I'm not as harsh on the secondary as, as far as the pass defense. I do understand that Anthony Avery has been out with a broken thumb, I believe. So I'm I'm willing to cut, not cut him some slack, but understand that. He may be a little slow coming out of the gate in his Correct. first game back in a starting role, so I'm not hitting the panic button on him yet. I thought Rocky Sin struggled early and then tightened up later in the game. I thought Second he was half. okay. I thought he was okay. A lot of Jonathan Abrams' uh, passes, uh, receptions allowed came in garbage time. Uh, yeah. Davis Mills kind of went to the side of the field in the flat, and Jonathan Abrams gave up a lot of those. So I thought he was okay. Of, of course, he's never going to be a coverage safety. But as far as I'm concerned, the, what, what worries me is the Raiders are thin back there. So if any one of those guys has a bad game, it's go, it's going to show up because you don't have any depth back there to swap guys out. So right. that that's my concern. I think Anthony Avery eventually will catch his win and be fine. Rocky Austin has been okay. Uh, tackling sometimes has been a little bit suspect, I will say. But Trayvon Merrick, I, he has to pick it up because if he doesn't pick it up, he's supposed to be that, again, that safety that's supposed to take the next step. It's been Deron Harmon who's been able to cover for him. If he doesn't pick it up, that secondary could be in trouble without the depth of the back end. And Trayvon Merrick, do you think, I mean, when I watch him, my my guess is he's struggling with the defense. He's struggling with uh, the new system because you look at what he was able to do last year uh, and how he came in, and we were really excited. We talked about him all summer, didn't we? And then he has not looked himself. Now, that could be a multitude of reasons, uh, but certainly I just don't think, much like Derek Carr didn't look comfortable in the offense for a while, I don't see Trayvon Merrick looking comfortable and knowing where he's going to be. Now, yes, he's getting beat on coverage, but it always seems to be because maybe he's he's hesitating and he's not taking that step, so he falls a step behind. Now you pick that up, and it's and it's a correct uh, assessment. And I, what I gather from this is, and I'm I, I'm not in the field, I'm not in the locker room here in the game plan. But from what I see, I think it's a little bit of miscommunication. If you remember the, if you remember one of the touchdowns, I believe it was the the first touchdown that Texas scored. There was a miscommunication between Amik Robinson and Anthony Averett. Now they got tangled up, bumped into each other. Guy runs free, scores a touchdown. I think one was supposed to pass the receiver off to the other. It didn't happen seamlessly. That's a touchdown. On another play, I think Merrick was slow coming over the top. He got caught looking in the backfield. He was looking at the quarterback, wasn't mm. paying attention to the receiver. The ball got by him, and I think that's a little bit of eye discipline. So just certain things you can – little things you can clean up where I don't think he's necessarily lost, but he has focus in the wrong place. And I think once he gets that as a young player, once he gets his eye discipline correct, he'll play a lot better football. Well put. I can buy that. I'll buy that. Um, we talk about, too, this team defense, Patrick Graham, what he's been able to do. At linebacker, I, I was very encouraged early on when I saw Denzel Perryman and Blake Martinez 
in the game at the same time. We actually had an email last week on our mailbag show about that very subject. Would we see them on the field at the same time? Martinez had a couple nice plays early. They went away from that in the second half. What did you see at that linebacker position with the Martinez-Perryman duo and then as they went away? But I saw Diablo make some good plays, struggle at times again as well. There, he just seems to be just a little bit inconsistent as a young player. But uh, why didn't they go back to the Martinez-Perryman duo uh, as the game progressed? Good question. I'll explain why. As I, as I said earlier, the Texans are a run-first team. They're going right. to give the, they're gonna feed the ball to Damian Pierce. So the Raiders said, okay, we're going we're gonna to play in base. We're going to put an extra linebacker on the field. Not an extra, but a third linebacker on the field. That was Blake Martinez. So you have two top-tier tackles in Denzel Perryman and Blake Martinez to take down Damian Pierce. So to counter that, what did, the, what did the Texans do? They started throwing to the middle of the field. That's Blake Martinez's weakness, as is Denzel Perryman. So now mm -hmm. you need to take one of those linebackers off the field and get another safety in there or get another defensive back in there who can cover because now the Texans are targeting their tight end. Now they're targeting the running back in the passing game. So now you have to cover up the middle of the field. You got to take one of those thumpers, off, those two-down thumpers off the field. So that's why you didn't see Blake Martinez as the game went on because as the Texans started to throw – you don't want Martinez to get exposed in coverage. There you go. See, now you don't even have to send in the question for the mailbag show tomorrow because Mo just answered it for you. Uh, good stuff. Uh, let's get back to Deron Harmon for a second because we talked about Merrick struggling. Uh, Harmon gets the start over him, and the old dude comes out and balls out. Two, he gives up two receptions on four targets for just six yards. Yes, everybody's going to remember the pick six, but Mo, he was stingy. I mean, I think that's the best word I can come up with. He was stingy in coverage, uh, and that's really encouraging because um, if, to your point about the depth, Merrick isn't doing the job right now, which is fine. Maybe he finds it. Maybe he doesn't. But you got Deron Harmon stepping up and saying, hey, let me show you how it's done, Cub. I seem to recall two hosts uh, on a radio show that were big on Deron Harmon in the no. offseason. No, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people saying, he, oh, he I know he's got Patriots <laughs> roots, but he's washed. And I'm like, well, mm -mm. this remind you know, what this reminds me of this reminds me of Casey Hayward and Gus Bradley system. Oh, yeah. I remember Casey Hayward people. He got signed. People like, well, he's a little older. He's just a placeholder. Turns out he happened to be the Raiders best defensive back <laughs> last yeah. year. Our best, our best point, <laughs> a little better than a Hobbs, who I, again had a sensational rookie year. But Casey Hayward was the guy on the boundary. I believe he allowed like 51 percent of completion rate. This reminds me a little bit of him with Deron Harmon, where he comes in as a veteran, has the knowledge of the system, comes in, plays well, and he's Johnny on the spot. He's around the football. Even when he's not picking off a pass or breaking up a pass, he is around the football making sure that the wide receiver doesn't get a clean catch. So big pickup for the Raiders right there on a bargain. Shout out to Deron Harmon making some plays because they absolutely need him. Mo, before we kind of wrap up the show here, one of the biggest, you know, if you put winners uh, and and I'll write about this in my column tomorrow on Sports Not, my my uh, stock up, stock down column, uh, stock up way up on Josh McDaniels. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels been criticized heavily by the fan base, even by us at times. Uh, for doing crazy things. I'm still not happy with his trick plays uh, when the <laughs> offense is moving the ball. Again, those smart guys, they tend to want to be really smart and show that they're really smart sometimes. But nonetheless, um, he may, uh, you talk about all the time, Mo, halftime adjustments. Boy, this team came out of that second half and really throttled up on offense and defense uh, and was able to get the job done. What did you see from McDaniels? I, saw, I thought his play calling, again, 
he went, he got more balance, just like he did in the Kansas City game, uh, especially at the times when the Raiders were moving the ball and taking the lead. But uh, overall, it seems as though he's learned from some of the sidesteps, the missteps earlier in the season, and you're seeing him know when Josh Jacobs is on a roll and say, give the guy the ball. But also in other plays and other schemes, he seems to be mixing it up well enough, especially against a good defense the Texans rolled out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think he called a pretty good game. I know people kind of held their breath when he did the Wildcat car split out wide. Josh Jacobs got, <laughs> gets the hand, gets the, gets the snap, hands it off to Derek Carr. Of course, he didn't have anywhere to go with the ball in that first trick play. The second trick play worked out, though, because he got the ball to Matt Collins, who was crossing across the middle. So you got to take the good and the bad. I would prefer a creative play call than a non-creative vanilla play caller. So sometimes, it, it of course, it's not sometimes, but it's never going to be perfect. But you'd like to see that he's He's in the lab, as the kids would say these days. He's in the lab working, getting in his bag <laughs> and pulling out those trick plays to keep the defense off balance because you want to keep defenses guessing. I think Josh McDaniels did that on Sunday. Well, and, and to me, it's it's very Raider-like to live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Isn't that not what pirates do? Uh, and so so to me, uh, I get it. It just it, it makes me so nervous. Like I'm watching, I'm like, what are you doing? You're moving the ball. What are you doing? Uh, but uh, I'm sure it'll work spectacular at some point, and they'll, they'll rattle off a 98-yard end-around run where Derek Carr is the wide receiver 50 yards downfield wide open. No, that won't happen. But nonetheless. I, I'll tell you what. i tell you what, really quick. I did yeah. like DJ Turner getting carries. Because yes. he has speed, and he has change, great change of direction. So I really liked him getting uh, the, those handoffs there because I think that one of those carries really got the Raiders' offense going at, at one point in that game. And it was really interesting because a similarity with the Chiefs beating the 49ers on Sunday. Did you see McCall Hardman doing the same thing? Yes. Uh, and it was yes. the same type of play mm -hmm. utilizing mm -hmm. the speed of a wide receiver, which, mm -hmm. hmm, interesting. Um, but nonetheless, you can see that that obviously is something working its way into the NFL playbooks uh, around the league, and, and the Raiders are no different. So it, it's all it's all good. Um, but Mo, I'll tell you what, uh, this win, people who are not happy about this win, I've seen some in the media call it an ugly win or a, a, a not good win. I think that's what you need. Sometimes you need to grind it out. And to me, what's different, I think in this win than I've seen in a while is that it was an, it was an, Oh no moment again. Here we go again, late in the game, they're down. They're going to have to try to come back. Uh, and we've seen those fall short. This time, they really turned it up on both sides of the ball, and that is exactly what you need now going on the road to the East Coast two weeks in a row. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll say this again. There's no ugly win. A win is a win. A loss is a loss, no matter how it happens. I know it's the Texans. I know they were at the bottom, 1-3-1 coming into that game, but the Raiders can only play who's on their schedule. I tweeted this on Sunday night. The Raiders can only beat who's up next. So it, it, I think coming out of the bye, they needed a game like against the Texans to get their momentum going. Because can you imagine if they came out of the bye and they had to play the Chiefs? You know, <laughs> you, and then it's a tough one coming out of the bye. And if you lose that, it kind of, it kind of, kind of puts a damper on things. They got, I don't want to say easy game, but they got a opponent on a lower end of the rung coming out of the bye. I think that can help them build momentum as they go on their East Coast trip. It is, and I send Sunday night, Mo, that um, there's nothing more valuable than a young player or even a veteran player, any team just getting confidence, right? right? Because you start, no matter, no matter if you're a pro and you know what you're doing and you're doing good and you go out there and you practice every day and you work your tail off, 
when it doesn't go your way, it starts to deflate you. It just does. Even if it's subconsciously, you need the good, you need the good news. You need to see that all that work and all that disappointment is paying off. Right. And that's what you saw in this, especially with the way they won uh, and how they were able to go out and dominate in parts of that game, especially in the fourth quarter. So huge win for the Raiders. Uh, and I had some old time dudes. I call that because there are people older than me. Um, saying, well, you guys didn't see Super Bowls. You didn't see... It doesn't matter. We're here and now. This team needed that win, uh, and they mm -hmm. got a much-needed win and did it in, in, in cool fashion, in my view. Mo, we are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be back with our mailbag show, where I'm sure we'll have some cool stuff. We always get listener <laughs> questions that are great. We had a listener question last week, remember, about Derek Carr and the Wildcat. And we said, yeah, there you I go. think we'll see him in the Wildcat. And then he lined up in the Wildcat. So There you go. I think that the was John. The emails John. are on it. Yeah, that's we got good. We got good listeners, man. I'm telling you, John Davis. I think that's who wrote us in with that one. So shout out to John for calling that one. Wow. Or, or was it Gary Harkin reader? Not to. Oh no, you know, it was right Gary. You're right. Was, You're right. It, was, it might Gary. have been Gary Harkin reader. Mm -hmm. It was Gary. So we'll I got see. Got you, Gary. <laughs> He's got you. He's got, got you. Back. Um, that's where the age comes in. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back tomorrow with our Raider Nation mailbag show. So make sure you join us for that. And then Thursday, we turn our attention, of course, to New Orleans, to the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about that and how the Raiders look, as well as any roster moves or news uh, coming up from the Raiders. And make sure you read, as you will see, content from Mo up on Bleacher Report. Make sure you check out the whole NFL. What's going on in the race of the AFC? Mo, it's kind of crazy what's happening. Uh, the Chiefs go on the road and beat the 49ers with their new shiny spanking new running back in Christian McCaffrey. The Chiefs, you know, everybody, boy, people doubted the Chiefs in the offseason. And guess what? They look to be and are the number one team along with the Bills. It's pretty close um, in the AFC. And they're going to be a team that is going to be tough to beat. Yeah, I actually thought the Chiefs would taper off a bit. I've been saying that the Rays and the Chiefs would play for that wild card spot in, in the last week of the season. That's probably not going to happen. The Chiefs are probably <laughs> going to win the division. The Chargers are mediocre. I wrote that in, in a recent column. That the, Chargers are, the Chargers are pretty soft on the run. They have not fixed their run defense at all. They lose J.C. Jackson for the season with a knee injury. That team is up and down, so I still think yeah. the Raiders can still grab second place in the AFC West. I do, too. The Chargers are going to have a new coach next year, uh, as will the Broncos. I'm going to predict that now. Even though he's a new coach, I, it's not working out in Denver. Uh, you talk about Russell Wilson, who kind of came back a little bit uh, when he gets back from his injury. I think he'll be fine. Uh, but I think you look at what's happened in Denver and feel good. The Raiders at 1-4 and four were you know, a story across the country. Oh, this is terrible, Josh McGann. Let me tell you something. The Raiders are in much better shape than oh, those yeah. teams are as well. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow. Mailbag show Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you get that. Make sure you read most content up on Bleach Report and SportsNot.com. And check out my stocks up, stocks down tomorrow on SportsNot as well. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you tomorrow.